0: okay hey willow
1: hello gene we are
0: live (laughs) we are live for attempt number two welcome
1: yes you are listening to uh the second recording of this month's bookstabber starring me willow payne and gene ambom
0: i'll I'll take co-starring i'll I'll say i'll say uh what is that I'll, i'll be in the supporting role you can be the star.
1: There's only two. There's only two stars. You gotta movie needs at least two stars. This isn't a movie. I realize
0: it's a podcast. It's a podcast. It is a podcast. Uh, and and what are we talking about today, Willow? On the podcast.
1: Today we are talking about uh, Sabriel by Garth Nix.
0: That's right. Uh, is this where we give the warning before pre uh, pre book talk?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna spoil this book. If you want to read Sabriel by Garth Nix or any of the Atwoodson series get out of here you crazy animal yeah, and you should go to your life and i'm gonna
0: say you should totally read it uh, i've read this book three or four times now it's fantastic i read it with my daughter i uh, just had a great time reading it to her she really enjoyed it uh that was that was years ago i think i read it for myself uh a couple times yeah i really i really, really like this book um so a lot to talk about. Can I can I give the pitch for it, or do you give the pitch for it? Please. Okay.
1: Pitch away. So
0: so uh, the important thing to understand is that uh, this is a fantasy novel. It's about uh, necromancy, mostly. It takes place in two places, um, one of which is called Ancelstia. This is kind of our world, the magicless world. And right across the wall is the Old Kingdom. And Ancelstiae, the part of Ancelstia the book takes place in is close enough to the Old Kingdom that there's some magic that kind of bleeds over into it uh sabriel was sent to the old, to uh, ancelstia from the old kingdom when she was a little girl mostly to protect her and she's been going to school here um until now and she's just about to finish uh what is the the british version of high school basically and um she's at school and this creature suddenly appears and uh, her father it's worth noting is a uh, necromancer called the Imporsen in uh the old kingdom very powerful necromancer but he fights for good he he banishes the dead uh so like a dead thing a spirit some kind of dark shadow appears and uh the dorm in sabriel's school everybody kind of panics and sabriel and her magic teacher because she she learns magic and fighting there uh in addition to regular school subjects uh sabriel uh clearly knows more about dealing with the dead than her teacher does and goes into death, which is this really cool, like, uh, it, it's, a, it's a river, a series of rivers with different gates for different levels of death. I think there's nine levels of death. And Sabriel goes there and uh, realizes that this creature is not, not there to harm anyone, but it is a messenger from her father. And uh, the messenger basically gives her her father's bells, which are the tools of the necromancer, and his magical sword. And uh, those things appear to Sabriel in real life when she comes out of death, this kind of trance that sends her into death. And Sabriel knows that her father is now trapped in death, and she needs to return to the old kingdom to save him. And so she goes there, and she's been she's not been there for so long that uh, she really doesn't know her way around. Uh, there's a giant menace um, in the old kingdom, something undead that has challenged her father and and uh, basically made him a prisoner. On one of the lower levels of death, uh, she believes she can save her father, though. And so she goes to find their home to, to get the tools she needs, then to locate her father uh, and bring him back from death and save him. Uh, and in doing so, she kind of has to confront this, this giant undead evil and many, many undead dark things. Good enough?
1: Yes, although I'll point out that when you ask me to do the book talk, you tell me to confine it to two sentences. And I
0: feel uh... it was a very run- on sentence, yeah, yeah yeah well well I think there's something mis- well no, there's something about the context here that I don't I, I don't know how to how to give when talking about this book. like I really want to talk about the bells too and what they do. and I, I don't know if I was talking to uh, teens about the book exactly what I would say, but I would say something about the bells and how cool the magic is probably and uh, the undead things would probably be enough and and the magic and, and whatnot. so yeah, fair enough. All right.
1: Well, the, the you big got sell me. for this you got book me. for me would be, <laughs> the big sell for me in this book would probably be the monsters, the undead. You know, I, I like the magic in so much as that it exists, but um, I couldn't tell you much about it.
0: Well, I, I kind of like that, though. I mean, like like the magic seems to be, um, there's kind of a rune-based magic, which is the charter magic, where you, you draw things, like some kind of characters, and then there's the sound-based magic, which is the bells and whistles and... And whatnot, like like sound seems to ha- seems to carry magic, and it's not words; it's it's actually tones, right?
1: Uh, well, I the the bells themselves have an intelligence. We know that they have intelligence. They must have some sort of enchantment that makes the magic that that makes the magical effects happen. I don't know if it's because we can't hear the book. Obviously, uh, we don't we don't hear what sound the bells make, and so we don't know if the sound itself is the thing that causes the the dead to walk or whatever well you listen
0: to you listen to the audiobook are there bells in the audiobook or is it just described is it just somebody talking
1: no it's it's not like a radio play the audiobook uh that i listen to is tim curry narrating and he does many a voice but at no point are is there any sort of musical or uh there's no foley work oh okay in the audiobook
0: i kind of wondered although
1: that would be a great idea
0: yeah okay hey we're back uh
1: (laughs) welcome back everyone this is the third time we have tried recording this fantastic episode of bookstabber so it's gonna be the best one yet you're gonna all drop dead as soon as you hear me ring this bell of awakening are we are we are we we, go past the ninth are we starting
0: over again right now
1: no 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 we're we're continuing so okay uh, where we left off was that uh, we're talking about shade's
0: children and uh garth nix and
1: I talked about i talked about elden ring, elden ring um and why i picked this book so uh yeah let's keep talking about sabriel um, so, so
0: so i think i think it's i think talking about a book like this starts with talking about the world a little bit um and you were talking about why it's cl- why it's close to elden ring and i think that has to do with the bells is that right and how magic works
1: yeah the bells and the and the undead uh I would say. I mean, th- those are very superficial similarities. They don't really have much beyond that, I suppose. Okay. Uh, and one of the one of the characters in Elden Ring is named Rogier, Ooh, which is okay. also secretly the name of a very important character. That is true. Spoiler: It's the villain.
0: <laughs> um. So let's see. So, so so the necromancer's tools are these bells. There's seven bells. They're worn in a bandolier. As you said before, they kind of have a mind of their own. They seem to be ensorcelled uh like intelligent in some way, uh when they ring them, they have different powers, some of them send like basically send everything into death, they kill everything that's the the big the big bad bell uh the smaller bell, what is the smaller bell? Some of them bind the dead to the user's will, right?
1: yeah, I couldn't really tell you what each individual uh bell does. One of the things that bothers me is that we get this this block of text early on explaining what each bell's magical name is and what it does mm-hmm. and then she doesn't she doesn't even use them all throughout the book in fact i would say there's quite a few fight scenes um and most of them she's like should i use a bell and she almost always says no no i'm not going to use a bell <laughs> and
0: it's kind of disappointing well and it's, and it's weird because she has this magic sword as well that has these charter marks which are kind of like quicksilver marks that are moving along the blade and it's very cool and that sword doesn't seem to do a lot either like it kind of blocks more than it cuts um but uh let's see so 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 magic kind of works on on the old kingdom side of the wall and the wall is full of these charter marks too the wall is like a medieval looking wall it's like 40 feet high um and across across the wall is the old kingdom it's the kingdom where magic still works and uh there's something called the charter there which is again the magic that is not the bells it's uh it's magic it seems to be like along ley lines um and
1: yeah i i really don't understand the 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 logic behind this world building where because it's kind of a standard uh magical realism not magical realism it's kind of a standard thing at first where there's a world that is basically our real world and then there's the magical world and that i get except that the world that is the quote on the the real world is still also a not real world. Like, I don't understand why this isn't actually just set in Australia or England or <laughs> America, like anywhere. Well,
0: well, I mean, Nix is Australian. Uh, and, and I, I think, I think it's not set anywhere because you just, you just get some baggage of the time that, that Nick's isn't dealing with at all. Right. Like, like, uh, there are troops on our side of the wall that are designed that, that are there essentially, uh, in trenches so it's kind of the the era of trench warfare maybe the 1920s uh they have machine gun emplacements and tanks are a brand new thing and there's barbed wire and concertina wire and they're trying to keep the dead from coming into Ancelstia from from bothering the people on the non-magical side of the wall and some of those soldiers but don't they also
1: but but that makes so little sense because part of the the division between these two worlds Mm -hmm. is that the, the world that is like ours that has telephones and refrigerators doesn't seem to, largely doesn't ex- seem to acknowledge the existence of magic and undead. well but, but, Like clearly some people do, but not everyone. But magic
0: clearly exists on our side of the wall. There's like, a, there's like a bleed. It's not like a very, it's not like a, the end, the, the wall isn't quite the end of magic. And I think there's something that says when the wind blows like across the wall, like technology stops working, right? The electricity goes out, cars will break down. Um, so there is some kind of bleed, like, like some kind of, uh, not quite, it's not like a piece of paper. It's not the border of a piece of paper. It's, there's not an edge to the magic, right? It just kind of bleeds over a little bit. And I, and I like that. I think, I think it works. And that's why, like some of the girls at the, at the school, Sabriel goes to, in Ancelstia, learn magic, including Sabriel. And they learn like fighting arts because, uh, you know, technology, technological weapons don't work on, on the other side of the wall. And some of the soldiers on our side of the wall, they've been so close to the wall for so long that they've become charter magicians themselves, and they they can use magic, battle magic a little bit. Uh, not that it helps them a lot. But they have apparently fought uh, the dead with Sabriel's dad's help, as we find out later um, at some point in the book. Uh, and that's, that's how Sabriel is able to cross back and forth across the wall. So... So let's see, what, what does it start? So Sabriel uh, finds out her dad's in trouble, vows to go save him, and then she has to cross the wall, right? And that's when we get that vision of what the wall is, and that the wall is ensorcelled, and there are uh, troops that are kind of mostly hapless on our side of the wall. And we find out that the government uh, on our side of the wall basically doesn't really believe in magic at all, like any, everybody who's far away in the seat of government just thinks this is all BS. But the people who were there, the soldiers who've been there for a while, especially know. And and uh, of those, Colonel Colonel, what's his name, Horis? Horis. Uh, like like is he clearly knows uh, Sabriel's dad. Sabriel's dad saved them all. The dead were kind of coming at them, and they were they were losing big. And Sabriel's dad made these whistles because again, uh, magic is. they no, they're wind flutes. He he made these things, and they they uh, play a tune that keeps the dead in their graves to this day and um colonel reese is a little freaked out because now that sabriel's dad something might have happened to him maybe those are going to start to fail um and sabriel's in a rush so i mean the the board is a very serious place where she's clearly under threat and they clearly don't expect that she'll be permitted to cross but she has all the paperwork and so uh she gets to go into the old kingdom where it is winter right is that right she has to like ski i remember snow ski to try to try to go where she's and, um,
1: Which I found so confusing because I've never heard of anyone skiing outside of the context of, like, downhill skiing.
0: Oh, you don't know what, like, like cross-country skiing, like the biathlon, stuff like that? I mean,
1: I, 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 fi- I figured it out, but okay. it just seemed to me <laughs> a little strange. You were like, I don't, you're yeah, like, so there's not a
0: chairlift here, I don't understand, how could she be skiing?
1: <laughs> well, no, it just, well, I would think that snowshoes would probably be superior, but I assume that it, it basically does the same thing. Well, you can move
0: so much faster on skis. And you can move uphill on skis, and I mean, there's there's a real skill to it. I I do not like doing it. I've done it a couple times. Uh, beat beats snowsho- I'm from the. Beats <laughs> snowshoeing is all I say. I'm
1: from closer to the equator, so uh, snow is a mysterious and male- malevolent entity to me, uh, much like the entity that follows Sabriel shortly after she crosses over the wall.
0: Well, well, right, and and so here's here's I think what. Like one of my objections is Sabriel has no idea what the Old Kingdom is or anything about it, although she's clearly been in contact with her father throughout her entire life, both physically when he visited her, and he would send his spirit to her to talk to her and to teach her about necromancy, and she's walked in death with him, and she's banished dead things, and she knows all about that, but she knows... She, right, this is... she knows, This is an
1: extremely confusing thing to me as well, that she has just enough information to know how to use the bells, and how to cast all these spells, and how to sword fight and she's she in her own words has killed like a dozen powerful monsters right but she knows nothing about and the old kingdom she, at all she doesn't
0: even know that her that Abhorson uh, abhorsen is a title and not her dad's name right it's, it's right
1: she thinks abhorsen is her dad's name and she she falls to tears like multiple times over the course of the novel because she doesn't know anything about these about the old kingdom which is you know a very medieval society
0: right and she goes off, but she still goes off alone. Like Colonel Reese, I think, wants to send people with her. And she's like, no, 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 I need, I need to go fast. And she she takes off. And she's going for, uh, he basically shows her a map because she doesn't know where she's going. And um, she's going to some.
1: Right. She has no idea where, where her father's house is. So she has to summon a spirit to show her the way. She has to go to a,
0: a, what is called a charter stone. Right. And, and that's kind of along the ley lines. Uh, we don't know what the charter is. Uh, we don't know what that means, but we know it's it's symbols. And the Charter Magicians have a, have a symbol on their forehead, which is hidden. And Colonel Harris touches hers. <coughs> and uh, then he can be sure she's not corrupted by dead things, somehow. So she passes whatever test, goes into the Old Kingdom. And when she gets to the Charter Stone, actually, she, she finds dead dead uh, soldiers from Ancelstier first, right? First one, and then the whole troop is dead. Something is clearly out there, very close to the wall. It has killed these men. Um, they're frozen. There, she kind of she she lights them on fire with magic. I think is that right? Like burns their bodies, so they can't.
1: I don't remember. It's been a while since I read this one.
0: It's 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 super gruesome. And then she gets to the the stone, and the stone has been broken. The Charter Stone has been broken, and so there's no magic running along it. Um, it's like it's it's corrupted somehow. And so when she when she sets down to 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 work her magic, she tries to set up this magic barrier of protection to protect her body while she goes into de- into death and uh, does not cast it very well because of the corruption. And so she goes into death and summons the spirit and the spirit is Willow who?
1: Well, she is believes that the spirit is her mother. However, the narrator will point out that she does, she doesn't have a confirmation of this, that this is, in my opinion, it's wishful thinking on her part. Hmm. It could very well be her mother. It seems to be a pleasant spirit, uh, however, th- this is the part I like: is that there's a sort of fairy tale rule that uh, she's been told that she can only summon this spirit uh, three times every seven years, or else something truly terrible will happen.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe that happens in the sequel. I don't, I don't remember. But yeah, and, and uh, she she, she summons t- it with a drop of her blood on a on a boat that floats in the river in death, uh, which is kind of cool, right? And then she's only able to ask like it's not quite yes no questions but the spirit can only respond to questions that she asks it's very strange um, but then I, I, I mean it sounded
1: like uh, well one of the details was that at one point um, she had summoned the spirit to help explain uh, menstruation to her you know, <laughs> I forgot her that that's right that's right and so so it sounds to me like the spirit can actually like do a answer a pretty complex question, all things considered. Well, the
0: spirit the spirit does answer a pretty complicated question in telling her where to go, right? Uh, and then
1: it, it is intelligent because well, not only she summons a spirit and and is like, hey, how do I get to my dad's house? And then the spirit is about to say, and then immediately is like, no, turn around. There's a monster attacking you. So <laughs> right,
0: right, right, right. And then she comes out. She doesn't
1: actually get that explanation,
0: but she does know how to how to get to her dad's house. And so she comes out of death and. Uh, i think she uses a bell doesn't she to to send that thing on its way like and then it like like it's 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 name is thralk somehow it has a name which a lot of the other creatures don't have and she sends it on its way and as it's going it's like i'm gonna tell caragor about you i'm gonna send him back here and then uh i'll get you and then sabriel starts running and this 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 giant big nasty creature comes after her which i assume is caragor uh and she runs through some gates and through like a path. Like, like the house, the house on the whole seems very easy to find when you know where it's at, which I would assume the creatures do. Uh, running water, running running water keeps the creatures out. So the the house, the Abhorson's house, is a is behind a wall in the middle of a river on a little island in the middle of a river, which is cool. And there are um, kind of gate guardians, magical gate guardians, at different points that try to keep the creatures out. But this creature following her is so powerful that. Uh, nothing can keep them out so it's it's coming after her and it's pretty it's pretty harrowing it's pretty good at the end she has to jump on these stones that are barely visible uh above the level of the water or just at the level of the water they're slippery and it's there's a real sense of danger and uh the creature can't move across the water and she gets into the house and just kind of sees that there's a cat and the cat starts talking to her (laughs) and then she collapses right just exhausted from this whole run that's that is several hours long and these creatures chasing her which i think is is pretty cool and um the cat uh mogget is the cat is the cat the cat's white i think right it's a white cat with a bell uh
1: i thought he i thought mogget was a black cat but um don't remember.
0: Uh, no, no, Mogget's M- M- white. Mogget's um, white, and Mogget has a bell on its on its collar, uh, which is kind of has some kind of magical uh, sense about it. Like it, it is a bound free magic creature, whatever that means. Um,
1: right. And- Mogget is probably my favorite part of the whole. book. is and- so great. Mogget is this is some sort of transdimensional demon uh, that has been forced into subservience by a, a previous abhorson long long ago and so now is a uh, a major domo to the abhorsen uh and boy sabriel has a rough time with mogget because like <laughs> very shortly uh she frees mogget so that he becomes this giant gloopy monster
0: to fight another monster well wait let's not go there quite yet i mean like like mogget is in the house uh mogget did not go with sabriel's dad mogget mogget saw sabriel's dad most recently though a couple weeks ago right and so mogget knows where sabriel's dad went which is the capital city or whatever is left of it uh in this fallen time um and 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 mogget is uh really interested in eating uh, there are there are there are kind of magical servants in the house that cook and clean, but they're not they're not cooking for Abhorsen, so Mogget's not eating very well right now. And Magget is very happy to see uh, Sabriel, and Mogget tells Sabriel that Abhorson is a title and that she is the Abhorson now, and that her dad is dead, which Sabriel does not um, accept. Uh, Sabriel grabs some stuff, including the uh, the Book of the Dead, which is not always the same book apparently, um, and. Uh, looks out a telescope and the creature that was following her is still there uh, at the edge of the river and is now using grave dirt to go from, to, to build little bridges across the steps. It's using servants, kind of living servants and uh, grave dirt. And so it'll be able to cross soon into, uh, and get to the house and get to her. And, <clears throat> so what happens? Oh, she, so Sabriel ha- needs some kind of solution and uh, Mogget says, well, there's this, there's these people called the Claire and they will send a raging flood down the river if you invoke this spell and so she does and then she has to wait like 12 hours cuz it has to come from the mountains is that right so i don't remember something like that
1: you're going to get that a lot from me today
0: <laughs> and then and then so so the this this uh this flood comes it goes like the water goes right up to the top of the walls of the house so great walls the the creatures are kind of washed away a bit uh, the house is safe and then sabriel takes a magical plane <laughs> called a paper wing kind of a glider that uh she and mogget ride in to head towards finding her father um uh it's it was built by an Abhorson in the past uh she whistles the wind up basically like again uh sound is magic certain notes are magic so she whistles up the wind and they're flying right along when they're attacked by do you remember
1: was it Thralk again or no, no no Th-
0: Th- Th- no Thralk is gone it's the gore crows it's the undead crows of the creature that is after her now the very powerful creature um, as they're heading towards the capital king of the kingdom is called uh, Bellaaire I believe so, right. so they're attacked by gore crows and they crash they crash into this giant sinkhole um, but but as they're crashing they're gonna die because it turns out uh, air safety is not a big thing in in a medieval fairy tale land <laughs> so so to survive the crash, Mogget says. Mogget says.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, Professor. I don't. I'm not prepared for this pop quiz. I, uh,
0: well, you, well I you're, you're talking about for So Mogget says you got to take the collar off me so I can save us.
1: Well, I thought that was when they were fighting a monster.
0: It, it, it is too later, but but the first time is when when they're going to crash and and there's nothing to do because the, the, cause the gore crows have brought them down and then Sabriel summons a bigger wind to get rid of the gore crows, and the plane gets swept along. The paper wing gets swept along, and so. Uh, they're, they're gonna crash and and Mogget says well if you take if you take this off me um, I'll save us which is which is a little weird because Mogget is is actually this creature that wants to devour Sabriel and get get revenge for its, its uh, thousands of years of bondage but um, it somehow saves them and then they're in this big sinkhole that looks man-made there's some kind of man-made structures in the bottom and when Sabriel comes to, uh, Mogget the free magic creature this big glowing shadow is, is coming for vengeance and uh, Mogget has uh, given Sabriel a ring back at the house and said oh you'll know when to use this and as Mogget comes towards Sabriel to, to kill her the ring grows into... Uh, it, it expands from her finger into something like a bracelet and then something like a necklace. And so when Mogget gets close enough to, to touch her, Sabriel slips it over Mogget's head and then Mogget once again becomes a cat in short order and spits up another ring that Sabriel puts on. <laughs> uh, so it's it, 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 yeah. it's a very strange sequence of events. It, it works, though. I mean, it's very, it's very magical. It's very... It's very without explanation. Like, why did this creature off the leash save Sabriel? Why, you know... Uh, Like, like, how does this, how does this ring control it? Like the collar kind of, the, 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 the necklace becomes the collar again with the, with the bell. And then the ring.
1: I think part of it, uh, part of what I read into it is that when, when Mogget is freed from all bindings, um, like in his own words, he is many things. Like, he's kind of insane. Like, he doesn't entirely have, like, he has some amount of, um, self-preservation, but, like, his actions don't entirely make sense. Like, it, it, and he does want revenge, but he doesn't do it in a very intelligent way, right? Like, because <laughs> he, it's almost like he isn't aware of, you know, that, like, Sabriel could just use this ring that he gave Sabriel to right, like, rebind Right, right. Well, he does
0: it in this way that seems like he wants to be bound. It's it's very, it's very strange. Like, like he seems to have, like, there's indications later on that Mogget has, um some kind of will to help the Abhorsans too, but, but it's, it's, it's unclear. Um, right. So, yeah. So, uh, what they, what they walk along and they realize this is where the royalty from that, that capital kingdom, Belisair, would send their dead so that they stayed dead. Cause apparently that's a problem in the old kingdom, uh, which, oh, sure. uh, and, uh, there's, uh, so there's there's a
1: wooden
0: boy oh wooden oh not a boy a man <laughs> come on i mean sabriel's like 18 he's a young man. sabriel's 18 he's probably 20 a little bit older he's a he's a well he's naked and uh there's a there's a very uh interesting description of his of his uh penis which is a little strange but okay uh he's naked she notices it uh and then she goes,
1: and of course she uh, takes it upon herself to uncurse him, uncurse this naked man made of wood, right, right. Turn him into flesh again.
0: So she goes into death again and finds his spirit, which is frozen there, and fights another thing, and brings him back to the to our world, and uh, has to free him with. A ki-
1: oh, one of the bells i assume.
0: no no a kiss a kiss Moggett says oh you gotta kiss him now right but 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 if you don't want to you can just breathe on him so she <laughs> leans in and breathes on him then he changes from wood to a real boy uh who doesn't remember anything at all um in his name
1: i did enjoy the uh there was some narration at that point where it was like if sabriel was a more experienced person she would have thought not to unfreeze this man uh you know in the middle of winter like, like he, he was going to be fine for, for indefinitely. She could have come back after right, she got right, right. a bunch of other stuff and do this. She could have been more prepared with food and clothes, but, uh, she, she didn't think of that. And so she just unfreezes him there. Right, and, right, right. And,
0: uh. Yeah. And, uh, he doesn't remember anything. So he takes, he takes the name Touchstone, which is apparently the name of Fool, uh, and, uh,
1: Touchstone and Mogget apparently know each other, and they're both compelled to not talk about some sort of magical curse, well, which is very fairy tale stuff. Yeah, it's
0: not that they know each other, but they can't talk about that. Sabriel keeps asking, "What is the charter anyway?" And like, "What's the nature of magic?" And why are these things, these charter stones broken? And she keeps trying to find out like who Caragor is, and nobody can talk about anything at all, right? Which is.
1: Well, it's it's not like they know each other intimately, but literally, when like when Sabriel walks away, the first thing Touchstone says to Mogget is, uh, "You were taller the last time I saw you." Oh, I don't remember they, that. They okay, recognize each other. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, Touchstone innately like recognizes, it, which is funny because um, we discover later in the novel that Mogget basically appears different to every person. So when we when we eventually talk to uh, Sabriel's father. He goes, cat, what cat? He was like a lumpy dwarf when I knew him. <laughs>
0: right, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so strange. Uh, <laughs> well, so, so, I mean, like, like, like this is kind of my problem, like at this point, like if I was going to be nitpicky, it, it's that like Sabriel has real questions and there are people there who can answer the questions and there's just this BS reason that they can't talk. And it's never made really clear what that, like what is preventing them from talking. And, um, Right. You know,
1: and it's not like a mystery story where w- when we finally find out what's happening, it, it it's not like, oh, no, this would have been th- this unravels everything. Like, it's just kind of right. Like, like she could have she could have totally
0: found out now and it wouldn't have been a big deal. Right. Right. I mean, instead, instead, they go to a, a village that's been taken over by the dead. And there's some people who are like across water who are still there. And I mean, there's a really cool scene and where they there's a certain. Sorry, God.
1: I think there's a certain amount of romanticism to it that, you know, uh, Sabriel freed this man and doesn't know at the moment that he is a that he's a crown prince. You know, oh, right, of this right. kingdom that is without him. So there, there's something to be said about that. Well, he's, he's not a with he's,
0: he's not a crown prince. He's a bastard son of the queen, which is which is super interesting by itself. But but he's like he's a member of the royal oh. guard, which which is so he he says he was a member of the royal guard. Oh, and he picks up some magic swords which just happen to be lying around this place, which I guess makes <laughs> sense. Well, it makes sense. I mean, it's where it's where the royal dead are, so they were sent with some of their arms, and so he grabs some. Some swords and they set off and they get to this fishing village uh, where they like the dead can't come out in the daytime very well and so they're hiding all the dead things are hiding. Sabriel can sense them and then they find living people uh, across this little bit of water, the small island that's separated from the mainland uh, at certain tides, and they go there and people are very suspicious and they're like, well, we need a boat to get to the to get to the uh, the capital, you know, and and they're very suspicious and then they find that uh, one of the people is possessed by this dead thing, which is a great scene. It's so great. Like, like, even if that whole thing is just to get there, so that so that we see this, Sabriel discovering it, and that thing going nuts, and then the people owing her one and giving her a boat. It's great. It's such a good scene. Um, but then they get on the boat, and they head towards Balasair, and um, because water affects magic, now Touchstone and Mogget can explain the charter and kind of caragor and what's happened to sabriel which in a way that just like i mean it's it's not it's not unpleasant it's fine it's all a piece of the magic that's there and it kind of creates the world but i was like why why didn't i just find this out earlier you know it seemed it seemed very strange to to read it again um and then they get to the city and the city is like it like the people are still just like living daily life in a part of the city that's separated by running water by these canals, whereas the rest of the city has fallen, like four-fifths of the city is gone, the dead have taken it over. Um, and uh, probably probably my favorite part is there's these uh, scavengers who are going into the fallen parts of the city that were abandoned quickly to try to find things of value and bring them back. And they have all these little kids on chains uh, that they're going to use as bait for the dead so that when they're looting, the dead will be lured some other, some other direction. This book is very cruel. Like it just in small pieces, like, like, yeah. uh, And Sabriel wants to save them, but I think Mogget and Touchstone are like, no, no, no. Oh, your favorite part was the bath, the bath when they're uh, in Belisere and they're, they're cleaning up.
1: For the, for the, for the (laughs) record, I would not say it was my favorite part. It is a part that confused me. it, i i don't know why this is in the book it's it is funny it made me laugh but also i feel weird about it. it's awkward so yeah so they 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 check in at some hotel tavern in they they get they get some rooms uh several decides to take a bath gets you know a maid comes and brings hot water then this maid goes into the next room uh a room that several believes to be touchstone's room the maid starts pouring in hot water and then she can hear l- described in vivid detail uh the sound of touchstone uh you know making some come on you know the the maid laughing grabbing her the lots of splashing and then like the sounds of them having sex like thrusts and grunts and all and 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 sighs of relief and and sabriel is just you know, going insane, fuming in her own bathtub. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because because she clearly really likes Touchstone and feels betrayed, and and doesn't know how to feel about this whole thing. Like can't admit it to herself, and so she's going crazy. And then after you know, because this has got to be like a little bit of time. This has got to be somewhere in the five to ten minute range. I would assume. Uh, (laughs) mogget just like looks at (laughs) i don't know where mogget was the rest of this time but mogget just like is like hey sabriel uh just so you know touchstone's room is on the other wall it's very it's
0: very awkward (laughs) it's
1: so like i mean i don't (laughs) i don't know how to feel about this from Oh. Garth Nix's point of view, from the character's point of view, it's so strange. Like, well, I,
0: I, 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 I think, I think the clues of the of the budding romance that comes to fruition later on are so weird in this book. I mean, like, it's 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 her looking at his at, at his mean, penis. It's it's this scene, and then it's later. It's the it's the bloody kiss when she bites through his lip to keep him from dying.
1: Right. Which is like, if if by if by clues you mean the <laughs> glaring neon signs. Like there, there's no confusion that these characters are going to get together it is well it's cl- just full black and it's clear
0: that sabriel's like like gone to a girl's school right and like like but i mean she must have known some boys <laughs> but it's, it's like well no it feels like <laughs> it feels like we're supposed to accept without being told this is the only man besides her father she's ever seen <laughs> this guy with no memory who's got a couple of magic swords well he does have magic swords uh I
1: mean there was probably a there's probably a, a male teacher at the school. There must
0: be, but you know what they say about a man with a magic sword, Willow? Come on. I can't. <laughs> that
1: he he fucks scullery maids in the bath. I don't know. I
0: don't know either. Uh so they set off they set off into the uh the fallen part of the city, which is where the reservoir is, which uh Sabriel suspects that's where her father is. I'm not quite sure how they how they seem to know that, uh, but they do. I I think I think that's where um Oh, because uh, it's because Touchstone knew that uh, Roger, now uh, known as Caragor, that's where he had murdered his mother, the queen, and sisters, the princesses, to kind of break the Charterstone. So it's probably the most likely place that uh, Sabriel's dad had gone to to fight Caragor. And so they go there to, to find out what's what, and... Uh, the dead are clearly all around, and it's a very dark place, but they go in anyway, and uh, there's Sabriel's dad in this, in or his body at least, uh, and when you go to death, your your body becomes very cold and covered with ice, and there he is all icy in our world, but he's, he's protected by magic, and so Sabriel casts magic and goes to find her father in death, and oh, she finds him, <laughs> and Mogget and uh, Touchstone are left, going, this is a trap, but yes, it is a trap, and the dead start to come into that room when Sabriel's still in death and she finds her dad. Her dad goes, actually I am dead. maggot was right. Uh, and I can live for another thousand heartbeats and you need to get out of here. <laughs> and like, okay, why did you come to save him now? Um, but her dad says, well, what, what, like the reason this guy, Caragor has stuck around for hundreds of years causing problems and won't, won't go past the ninth gate into real death is that, uh, Nobody's ever found his actual physical body, and um, which is really weird because apparently uh, they know exactly where it is. It's on the other side of the wall. Right. <laughs> it's like doesn't make any sense. And the Claire, the ones who sent that flood, they're going to meet you on top of this building uh, with another airplane because you crashed the other one. There's several of these things, by the way, and they're gonna they're gonna just tell you where it is. <laughs> so why don't you go take care of that in Encelstia? And this is part of the reason why I sent you there in the first place. It wasn't just for your safety. It was because. Whoever, uh, whoever uh, was going to go deal with this finally had to know Anselstia too. 2 Doesn't make a lot of sense because Abhorsen had been there himself. Uh, but okay. Uh, so there's a huge battle. gets off the leash again and he's helping Abhorsen who's alive for just a very brief period of time. And all of that battle takes place off camera. Right? There's maybe like a paragraph description as Sabriel and Touchstone are fleeing that battle. Um, and it's it's the it's Sabriel's dad's death, and Mogad is helping him somehow, even though Mogad is off leash, and they're fighting Caragor physically, and all these undead creatures and zombies that are in this in this room in this reservoir as Sabriel and Touchstone just just run as fast as they can, and so. It's kind of unsatisfying because you want to see this huge battle. But you're like, well, okay, I guess our battle's coming. And they run and they run and they're pursued and they find the Claire. And the Claire are these two very strange twins who seem to have one mind. And they're like, oh, we're the Claire today. And you're like, I don't know what that means. You do find out later in later books um, about the Claire. And they give them paper wing and then they just get into it and they go back to the wall, right? they just end up back at the wall and then colonel harris says well sabriel tells him where the where the body is and uh they need to go get it and colonel harris takes all the magicians and some other troops and they go they set off for that kind of pursued by caragor
1: the more that i'm 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 because I, i read the book we did we did one podcast talking about this this is our second attempt the the more that i'm thinking through all this the more i'm just like yeah this none of this really makes any sense to me i think it makes great i think it
0: makes great sense in the story like i'm not trying to i'm not trying to nitpick this but but i do think that it's i think i think the part and maybe i've missed something i mean i i I feel like i'm not the most careful reader in the world as we both know and you know i wonder i wonder if i've missed uh some very subtle details here that would indicate why like i think i think i think the indication in the book is that Uh, Noah Porson has been able to go into Encelstier to deal with this problem even though they've known where it is, right? But I don't think that indication is strong enough for me to remember what it was if it's there. Um,
1: I think part of the reason that I I like Mogget so much is because Mogget is the only character in this book that is not extremely generic. That, like, Mm. Sabriel Touchstone and and our villain Karygor, they are all very plain kinds of characters that you know just generic ya protagonist generic ya love interest and generic you know comic book villain uh Uh, and you know that's the thing is that the reason i enjoyed this book for how much i did is because it is in part because the the setting is particular It, it it is not as generic as many fantasy settings out there, but that doesn't mean, but it doesn't inherently make sense. Right. Um, and it doesn't, it's, it's not quite enough
0: for me. I, I think it is enough for me, but, Did, but but I agree with you on the characters. Like, like Sabriel is not particularly compelling. She, she's compelling in that she's doing something difficult. She's taking responsibility. You know, she's, she's not flinching from what she's supposed to be doing, even when it's unpleasant, but I'm not super uh, emotional about her, but Magda is great. But Mogget can't carry you through this part of the story, right? Because Mogget's gone now. Right. And right. And, um,
1: and you, you know, I, I I like a good romance. I'm happy that you know Touchstone and Sabriel have feelings for each other, but um,
0: yeah, the romance doesn't really work here, though. I, I I mean, you've indicated that before. I mean, like the romance is the weirdest part. Uh, and Sa-
1: it's fine. <laughs> it's But except for the all of the. <laughs>
0: it's, it's fine. It, it's, yeah.
1: Except for how how sexual. It is in weird ways.
0: I think this book is so well written, like just, just on a scene-to-scene level that you don't think about any of this stuff. And you're kind of like, well, I don't really... Like, she doesn't understand the world, so I don't understand the world, so it's okay.
1: Right. Th- this is true. Yeah, I- I'm only unpacking a lot of this stuff. But I-, I will also admit that I didn't understand a lot of this stuff when I first read it. I didn't yeah. understand at first, you know... <clears throat> What the he- Where the hell Ancelstia was? Right. Uh, in relation to everything else, I, I didn't understand uh, a lot of the scene-to-scene stuff. Well, it, it was all kind of a blur. Well, it, it, it is
0: it is a blur because it's so well written. You just fly through it, and it's it's YA, so you're not you're not kind of bogged down in that um, heavy description and heavy explanation that i think you get in in adult fantasy novels like there's not there's not the huge exploration of the world and you kind of accept that because of because it's, it's kind of a convention of of ya it's not always a convention of ya but i want to say that the ya novels the ya fantasy novels in particular that i've read that i enjoyed uh it's it's a it's a big part of that like there's just not a lot of thinking about the world um you, you more absorb it through what happens right and and, and i I really enjoy that about Y Fantasy, um, but we do get our big battle, right? They go, they find his body, they uncover it, they run, they don't know where they're gonna, they, right. they don't know where they're going to make their last stand, and then Sabriel suddenly realizes, oh wait, I'm only a mile away from my school, and there's a bunch of more magic users there who can help the soldiers who know magic too, and the soldiers all go there and they set up, like I don't know, they right. sand. If
1: this was a if this was a film, the <laughs> Sabriel coming up with recruiting her high school. Classmates would be the the big like you know turnaround in the in the climax that the, the, there would be a triumphant fanfare as they all link arms and cast a big spell. Well, it's a
0: little strange because it's a little strange because it's like it's like it's it it seems to suddenly occur to her that they're very close to her school and it's very very close indeed. And it's like, well, I think you would have known that going there, uh, but they have tanks and they have machine guns and those aren't going to do any good anyway. But we have them except for against the zombies, I guess, which are really low level undead. Uh,
1: it also feels weird to me because I feel like so many, char- so many incidental characters that we meet in this book, like when we are summarizing them, Sabriel notices like, ah, they must also be a charter mage. Like, I, f- I feel like there are more charter mages in this book than not. Well, the,
0: Is that well, no, no, I think, I, I think, I think it's a very small part of the, of the kind of border patrol under, it's under C- Colonel Harris's uh, uh, command like his 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 men kind of unofficially all know magic because that's what keeps them alive when they're patrolling the border um and and so they're all along on this adventure to go destroy caragor's body and um when they get to the school like sabriel talks to her teacher and gets all the students ready and all the men are standing around. And my favorite detail, I think I said this uh, the last time we talked about the book, is all the charter magicians are just, there's nothing for them to do. They're standing there with, like, swords and shields and spears and whatever. And they're just smoking and chatting with the girls because they know they're going to die in a few minutes. But they, like, as the machine guns are kind of blazing out front to deal with the low-level undead. Because, of course, everything comes at you in waves like a video game, right? <laughs> like, the low level comes first and then the Hi. high level. Uh, and then when Caragor finally shows up, those guys are just meet basically and then the charter magicians have to go out and and do their job so they're just smoking and chatting away with the girls and sabriel's trying to work up a spell to open the um open the i don't know if it's a coffin or sarcophagus it's i think it's a sarcophagus and uh that has caragor's body and and um colonel harris knows he's gonna die which i really like he's had a vision of his own death and uh that happens off frame at some point during the battle <clears throat> and when Caragor finally gets there, Sabriel is able to bind Karagor to his physical body. Uh and what I don't like about the final battle, which is which is pretty epic otherwise, is that uh again this ring that uh Magget had spit up after he was transformed back into the cat, the ring that Mogget uh spit up as Caragor comes towards Sabriel to kiss her. Because that's all Caragor wants at the end, is like to kiss Sabriel. <laughs> uh Sabria, it it grows in her hand from the ring to a bracelet to a necklace thing and she just slips it over caragor's head and it starts to shrink and caragor is kind of like no and and then caragor yeah. is reduced not just to not just to one thing uh which is a black cat <laughs> but to two things a black cat and a white cat because apparently caragor ate caragor right. ate mogget which caragor refers to at some point during the talk uh or consumed mogget and uh during the battle with sabriel's dad sabriel's dad is dead and we never see his death his true death um and then and then like now there's two cats there's a black cat that was caragor and there's a white cat that is mogget and all ends well uh like i I don't remember at what point touchstone and sabriel declare their love for each other but it's a little oh it's a little crazy but but that kissing thing really bothers me it's like it's like, uh, is the only reason Sabriel wins this fight? Because uh, she's so desirable that, <laughs> you know, n- nobody can stop trying to yeah, try, gotta, trying to smooch her. You
1: gotta have love in your heart to survive the death. I, I don't know. Well,
0: it's, it, 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 it's, it's very strange. I mean, I guess her dad, I think her dad has the bells back in the... Or he, he, he takes the big bad bell and he rings the bell that takes everything into death with it which is why she has to bite touchstone's face when they're kissing Mm -hmm. to keep him alive Mm -hmm. uh that
1: i liked that moment i i I thought that was that was a decent moment it was it
0: was an okay moment i mean like as much as you know I, i think it's i think we're a little unfair in in a sense of pulling out these moments and kind of going over them like i think if you look at any book in terms of plot points It sounds a little ridiculous because what what Nick's like really succeeds at is connecting these things in a way that you never stop to even wonder what's going on. You just you're just right there with Sabriel and Touchstone and Mogget flying through the book, and there's dead things chasing them, and it's really got the air of like a quest novel. At the same time, it's a it's a chase like they're defending themselves uh, at every moment, and and they're always at risk. And I, I really I really just enjoy. The world building of this book pulls me along. The pace of it, just the writing on a on a sentence level, is never awkward. Mogget um, is really really fun, and and uh, Mogget's kind of the C three PO R two D two character, right? But like with much more of a mouth, <coughs> um, and much more kind of just like unvarnished opinions. Um, I yeah, I, I I love this book. Like I, like I love this book so much. It, it's just it's just so much fun for me.
1: Well, I, uh, you know, if you're still listening to us at this point, I, I don't not recommend it. I think it's fine. Um, (laughs) Again, high praise. I love it as much as Gene. High praise
0: indeed from Willow Payne.
1: Uh, yeah <laughs> i mean i don't you know i I'm, I'm you're i didn't i didn't think this book was y a um when i read it and only talking to you uh do i think of it through those terms and and i don't i guess sure it's it it is it does function as y a well she's essentially a high school she's essentially YA. a
0: high school student but i think i think it's been marketed to adults as well i think they released covers that were like purposely more adult with kind of a um Kind of something that looks like a rune, a fiery rune on the on the cover. They've they've released them all to the adult market and the YA market, but it was it was initially marketed to YA. And I, I when, what year did it come out? I think I wrote it down. It came out in '95. So that's when the when the YA market was really forming to me, like like going away from things like um, like the William Slater books we've read before together, and uh, just kind of things that were really written down to. Uh, to teenagers' levels in, instead of just, just being written with appeal to them, which I think is very different from, from uh, aiming every aspect of a book at the teenager. And I, I think this succeeds because it's kind of... It's got these moments where if you're involved in the book, it's so over-the-top and gross, like the thing with the kids, the the creatures like going in and out of death. Um, this is scary stuff if you're involved with the book and Nyx lets you kind of create that sense in your own head. And I think, I think if you, if you like horror, you're bringing more to this book than is actually, is actually there, which I think is the brilliance of it. Well,
1: here's a, here's a question. I mean, you say this is YA, like what, what age of kid would you hand this
0: to? Well, I think I read it to my daughter when she was about 10, uh, Mm -hmm. and i I don't think there's anything in it that's particularly awful for that age but i think it wouldn't appeal to her like i think if i hadn't read it to her she wouldn't have been into it um and i think there were things she ignored about it i i would give it to uh like 14 15 year old like no problem i think some kids earlier than that um like i always think of the rule of thumb is like kids want to read about protagonists that are two two or three years older than they are when they're teens it's, it's not solid, but that that's kind of about what you look at. I'll,
1: I will say that compared to uh, contemporary YA, um, it's leagues above it just in terms of the quality of writing, that the sentences do not... It doesn't have the quality that I hate about YA so much, which is that it doesn't feel like it's talking down to me hmm. or to whoever the potential reader would be. It, it, it's not insulting my intelligence
0: are you talking you're talking YA from that era or YA from now you're saying contemporary YA what do you mean
1: well I would say like YA published in the last 10 years oh
0: I see I think there's a lot of great YA novels now like like and I think I
1: think I know well I know you think that, but <laughs> I, we've read some of we've read some of them on the podcast and I disagree well I think well
0: I think this hangs with the best of them um I, th- I think it's I think it's up there uh I, I, I try to pick up other YA fantasies sometimes um, and and nothing is as compelling as this book to me really like it's it's hard to find something that's and, good uh,
1: and you know I'm realizing that the, the next book we're going to read has so many similarities in terms of necromancy oh yeah and, yeah, yeah. and uh, what is
0: what is our next book willow
1: our next book uh, begrudgingly is <laughs> gideon the ninth by tam tamson muir i think i believe it. so yeah 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 i, I, I always i can't I, I always screw it up because i can't remember it's tamson or Taz. Tam, i want to say Tasman, i think i think i think, like Tasmania, I think it's i think it's, it's
0: tamson uh i it's Tamsin. i'm so excited I've, I've been trying to get you to read this book for a while <laughs> and i just read the well the and third you, novel you, you want to know
1: why <laughs> you want to know why i'm finally reading it i do because no every nobody pitched it to me correctly because nobody told me it was gay that was the all you had to say was that oh, really? it's lesbian. Oh that, no, yeah, no 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 the, no no no! That's no. the reason I'm picking. No, up. my short
0: pitch for that book is lesbian necromancers in space, and uh, I've said that to you before. You're just not remembering that. I don't think you. I totally have. have. I, I totally. have. But I'm I'm so excited to to talk about that with you next time, and we'll have a good contrast with Sabriel in talking about it and talking about why that's and oh. talking about why that's not YA. I, I I no no no. I mean I mean it's interesting, like 'cause
1: Wait, what? You're tell you wait, I'm I'm like a fifth of the way into this book. You're telling me that that's that this fucking Gideon the Ninth is not YA. It's not YA.
0: No, no, no. Well it's not marketed it's I, not marketed as YA. No 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 no. I I mean I mean the publishers always make a choice, right? They they make a choice of how to market a book. And they've chosen to market that book like squarely to the adult audience and not to not to the teen audience. And so i think we need to talk about that could could it be seen as ya i think it's i think YA. i think yeah. i think teens would love that book i know so many teens that would love that book i would tell teens about that book but
1: um you know uh i just i just want to talk directly to the podcast listener for a second i've been kind of quiet this episode but uh you, you know there's a conspiracy theory about how uh, <laughs> you know the world did end in 2012 what that, what are you talking about that the, there's a conspiracy theory that that somehow it's not a very good one, but that the world did in fact end in 2012. Either that we are, like have downgraded the universe into like simulation <laughs> mode, or that, that that something fundamentally became wrong with the universe, which has led to things like Donald Trump becoming president and just the the unraveling of of everything. You know, it's a it's I, I like to collect conspiracy theories for fun. I don't, but however hearing hearing this that this book that i that i'm you know a little ways into that reads exactly like ya and and (laughs) that it is not this is making me feel like i have been transported to bizarro world that i am now one of the many bizarro lois lanes and and bizarro superman is gonna come you know say goodbye when he means hello, <laughs> everything everything is wrong, and I, you, maybe we do live in a simulation, a very bad simulation. I love it. I, I love it.
0: I love it. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that more next time. I can't believe we're starting to talk about this book already. <laughs> uh, if you have a suggestion for what we should read next, although we do know what the next next book is, uh, please uh, email us at bookstabberpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, everyone,
1: go give us recommendations please and keep stabbing <laughs> keep st- also uh but before we leave uh please go read thehauntedskull.com it's not the haunted it's just www.hauntedskull.com yes
0: yes please read it and uh check out librarycomic.com too if you haven't thanks have a good day
1: keep stabbing